Well, I want to continue tonight. I'm going to take a little bit different of a, uh, a direction, but it's more because, uh, and still along the lines of what I've been sharing with you over these last couple of weeks about divine assistance and really about the ministry of angels. And so we've been looking over the last number of weeks about angels. And uh, so I want to look at some things tonight uh, really concerning uh, what, what many people and even what uh, most easily communicated would be spiritual warfare because I believe there's a lot of, and I, well, I don't just believe, I know that there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, when it comes to this subject and uh, you know and so many people have some funny ideas when it comes to spiritual warfare what is it what isn't it uh, you know I mean I'll just give you an example uh, you know there there's actually a teaching uh, that has caused people to like get in a plane and go fly and get up as high as they can so they can pray in the heavenlies or they'll go like into the top of buildings and like trying to get higher and uh, those are and, and uh, this is legitimate I mean, it's weird. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying people actually do these things, you know, and they go and they do some, you know, and they're trying to charge angels and do these things and trying to, you know, I'm going to talk about a few of these things tonight. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, going this direction because I know of any of you that do this. But number one, you do need to know what is right and accurate according to Scripture. But also, if somebody does come to you with something goofy, you'll be able to say that's goofy. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I was reading something uh, the other day, and I thought it was really good. They were talking about, they were kind of using the example of a red light, yellow light, and a green light. And they said there's things that are specifically spoken to in Scripture, then you have a green light to go in that direction. You know, use healing, use whatever it may be. Well, we know from Scripture that, hey, that God wants us to be well. Uh, Jesus took stripes upon his back so that we could be made well. Well, Scripture supports that we can actually believe God with confidence for healing. So we have a green light in that area of our life. And then there's other areas that are the Bible strictly, you could say it forbids, prohibits, however you want to say it. Well, that's a red light. you got to know. Like the Bible says, don't, you know, commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't, you know... Uh, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be. Well, those are clearly things in Scripture that there's a red light to. Stop. Don't do that. You're, that's going to hurt you. Um, you know, um, and then there are things, though, that maybe there's question or maybe it's not clear in Scripture. This is what I would say. Just like a yellow light is proceed with some caution. Does that make sense? So, and this is one of those areas that many times because of, uh, People taking, you know, many times where people get into error, it was that they took either a verse or a scripture or a principle and took it too far. I'll give you an easy one in this is prosperity. God wants us blessed, right? But you can also take it way beyond what scripture will support. Way beyond. And you can still call it God, but that doesn't mean that it is. And the same is true even in this realm of uh, spiritual warfare and angels. And, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples and some of the uh, foundational things and scriptures and, and principles that, if you will, that are used many times to support uh, this belief. And yet, um, you know, I, it, it's just, you just see it and, and when you understand it, it will help you even in prayer. Uh, even because really uh, that's, you know, where we really wage spiritual warfare. It's through prayer. But that's not our doing. And people, you know, get some goofy ideas. But one of the principles, and some of these verses I'm going to read through quickly because um, we have looked at several of these verses before. And so, uh, first one comes, and this is where many people kind of, they're 
foundational scripture for a lot of what they consider spiritual warfare type things. And But it says, uh, and this is the account of where Daniel prayed, and it says that the angel was held up for 21 days. Uh, and so in verse uh, 12, it says, uh, the angel shows up to Daniel and says, Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before the Lord, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come in, re- in answer to your prayer. And then in verse 13, he says, I was withheld for 21 days, and uh, Michael had to come and to fight with me so that I I bring you your answer. And so people will have the thought or even the doctrine and they base it off of this is that, well, hey, you've got to fight a spiritual fight so that the angels can bring your answer. How many of you realize that all demonic force is already defeated of an enemy? We're not trying to win a battle. Why? Because it's already been won. And I'll show you this here in a few minutes. You know, and you also have to remember that Daniel is an Old Testament man. This is pre-Jesus. So things have changed since this moment. And so many times people will take this and be like, well, you see, you know, and so they're like, they almost will communicate it this way is like that as we pray, like we're giving the angels energy to fight for us. I don't think they need our help in any way, shape or form. They are commanded and charged and sustained by the father. They don't need anything from us. Now, we do have a responsibility to stand on God's word. Yes, absolutely. But we are not to, and I've said this multiple times, is that we're not to pursue the help of angels. We're to pursue God. We're to pursue Him. We're to pursue His Word. We're to pursue truth, who is Christ. And and so, but many people will take this type of a verse and they will run with it and create some chaos with it. And the problem, and this is what happens in, 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 in these types of situations If the devil can get us off on some rabbit trail that has no truth, guess what we're not doing? What we should be doing. And handling situations the way that we should. So he doesn't care if we go too far with some spiritual truth. Why? Because it doesn't affect him either either way. Here's another uh, verse that people use to support this thought. And it comes out of Matthew chapter 16 verse 19. Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he says, And I will uh, give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He says, For whatsoever you bind on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatsoever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever. And so it's this whole binding and loosing. How many of you ever heard of teaching on binding and loosing? A few of you? Some of you? <laughs> That's an interesting one too, uh, because it makes it sound like that somehow that we can make something happen. Now, we can... In the sense of, you know, my pastor in Kansas, he was real big on a, on a verse that says that uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue comes out of Proverbs. Death, in other words, you're going to, and he said it this way, and, and Proverbs even backs this up. It says, then you will eat the fruit of the abundance of your words. So, even as we begin, we, we do need to be aware of what we're saying. We need to be aware of the abundance of our words. Why? Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to talk. If you want to know what's in your heart, just listen to what you say. And that it's, it's really simple. It's not difficult. But there's a teaching even with this that, man, that we're going to pray and we're going to bind the devil. Is he not bound in our lives already? Amen. I mean, are we not believers? Am I the only one? Are we not believers in here tonight? Yes, we are. <laughs> That's right. And so what do we have to do? We simply stand in what has already been provided for us. We're not trying to bind the devil, loose angels. And, you know, I mean, you get all kinds of funny 
things and goofy teachings. Why? Because they take a verse and they string a couple. If you notice, these are just one or two verses that get strung together many times to create a doctrine that doesn't hold biblical weight at all. Um, and so, uh, you know, so people use that. And then, of course, there's uh, Ephesians uh, 6.12. And now these are obviously in the New Testament, but people love to string this one along in there as well. It says, For we are not wrestling or fighting against flesh and blood, uh, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark place, and against uh, evil spirits in heavenly places. That's where you get that goofy teaching about, let's go up in a plane and pray at 30,000 feet, or let's go up to the top of a building and pray, because we're going to get up into the heavenlies to pray. How many of you realize that there's nowhere inside of our atmosphere that the heavens are? We are on earth. We are not in heaven. You know, I mean, but yet, and people will build whole thoughts and doctrines about this verse even. Just like, oh, I'm I'm wrestling and fighting. Well, you're fighting a battle that's not yours to fight. And number, the second side of that is you couldn't win it on your own anyways. That's why Jesus had to come. So why fight a battle that you couldn't win in the first place? And number two, why fight a battle that's already been won? That's why Romans says that we are more than conquerors. We're not just trying to produce what God wants in our life. No, we get to rest and actually enjoy what Christ has done for us. Now, it doesn't mean that circumstances, situations may not, that things may not come. But even when uh, the enemy attacks, the Bible says that like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will come in. So we're not trying to wrestle with the enemy. We have to stand in our place, which is where the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs. What does that mean? That means we have an equal inheritance with him. Jesus is not like big brother that got a better inheritance. We are joint heirs. We get an equal share. And it says not only that, but even right now, me and you are seated with him in heavenly places. Now that does speak to authority, but it's not an authority as in an authority to make things happen. It's an authority that says this is what has already happened and I'm going to enforce the law. It is different in that way. But we're not trying to wrestle and fight against anything natural. But there are times that even spiritual attacks come. But how do we deal with them? And so I'm going to look at a few of these things. Tonight. Let me give you one more verse or one more set of verses that many times will be used with this belief system. It's this. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, and... To me, this one here is the most clear as to uh, what I would view as the error of this type of uh, teaching or doctrine. But it says uh, in verse 3, the Apostle Paul says that we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. It says we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Okay, so let's just take Paul's words for Paul's words. We don't even have to go to the Greek, right? We can read it right here in English. Did he say that we use God's mighty weapons to knock down the enemy's strongholds? Read what he says. To knock down the strongholds of what? Human reasoning. I didn't say that. It says the same thing up there as it does right here. We use God's mighty weapons... To pull down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy their arguments. Now many times people will pray and you get into this, oh we're spiritual warfare and we're going to knock down the strongholds of the enemy. Where are the strongholds of the enemy at? 
in our mind, in our thought. So, I mean, you know, you can even have, you know, and I understand, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody or to pick apart any specific, but it, it, this can be dangerous. And let me, at best, it's a big waste of time. You know, have you ever heard of somebody who prays over a spirit over a region? How many of you ever heard somebody talk about that? Like, oh, we're, there's a spirit upon America, and we're going to break that. Okay, well, let me, like, just, and I'm going to read you something here in a second that will back this, that will help to support what I'm about to say. Do people live in America? Yes. Do people have free will? Yes. yes. Will God override free will? No, he will not. So if we can pray, and look, I believe in prayer. I believe we ought to pray for people in positions of authority. I believe we ought to pray for our nation. Why? Because Proverbs is very clear. It's righteousness that exalts a nation. But righteousness has to work through us as individuals. Right? Now, so even, like, let me give you one. Let me read you this real quick. This is a quote. Uh, something that uh, some of you will know who this is. Uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan made this statement. I'll tell you what, let me just keep reading before I read this. He goes on, he says, So uh, we knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Verse 5, he says, We d- uh, destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. He says, We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. Now many people will take verse 3 and verse 4 and they run with it. But in context, what's it talking about is actually about a mental warfare that we wage spiritually through the Word of God. That's why Romans says we must renew our mind. We have to go through a metamorphosis. We have to stop thinking the way that we once did. And we now have to think a new way that's in line with the Word of God. Because we're not trying to create some spiritual chaos or some great victory. Why? Because we do have angelic support. There is no doubt about that. But they're not waiting for me to tell them to do squat. They're not waiting and saying, you know, when is Angie going to tell me to do something? They're waiting on Angie to get a hold of the Word of God. And when she gets a hold of the Word of God, what happens? The angels will be released. When the revelation comes, when that understanding comes. So let me read you this um, from Brother Hagen, And he, he said this. He says, we do not have scripture for breaking the power of the devil over an entire city at once or uh, for all time. Because a city is comprised of people. People have free choice and they um, can choose who they will serve, whether it be Satan or God. And in every city, many people choose to serve Satan and to continually yield to him. But we can push back the influence of darkness in prayer so that the word has an opportunity to prevail in people's hearts and lives through the preaching of the gospel. So, like, let me give you, because I know this can be somewhat confusing. So I'm going to try to give you an example to make this clear for you. Have you ever had an instance where you were praying for somebody that you knew that the enemy was just having a heyday in their life? Now, you could pray and say, I bind the devil in their life. Here's the only problem with that. You don't have authority to bind that in their life. Because they are a free moral agent to make decisions and desires that they choose. No more than we... I mean, it wouldn't matter if every church in El Dorado came together and we said, we're going to pray over our city and we're going to break whatever over El Dorado.
What we ought to do is to come together to seek the one that we serve. Not seeking to destroy the enemy. If we just would seek the Lord, he's going to show up. And there's no foe that can withstand his powers, what the Bible says. See, we can't get off focus even in these things. And so, you know, say that there is somebody that you know, that, that maybe they're not saved, maybe they're not walking with the Lord, maybe, you know, whatever the situation may be. Well, how do you pray for somebody? If you're not supposed to bind things in their life, we bind things in our own life. Like, hey, I'm going to take that thought captive that's not in agreement with the Word of God, and I'm going to pull that down. That old way of thinking, that, that uh, iniquity, that, that way of thinking that's been passed from generation to generation to generation in my family. I'm going to pull that thought down, and I'm going to challenge it with Scripture until my mind changes, where I no longer think an old way, but now I think in line with God's Word. I can do that in my own life. Why? Because... Ultimately, I have authority over my life. You have authority over your life. So what do you do with somebody else? This is how you can pray. It's one of the Ephesians prayers. Father, I pray that the eyes of their uh, heart would be enlightened. That their eyes would be opened up to what? That they would see what you have for them. That they would come to the knowledge of what you want to do in their life. And so, Father, I thank you that not only are you softening their heart, not only are you opening their heart, but I thank you that you're sending labors across their path that are going to speak truth to them. That, Father, that they are going to uh, be, be... And you can pray this. You can say, Lord, I thank you that you're stirring up a desire for you. Amen. They may not even know what it is. But they begin to become hungry. Those are all okay to pray. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But that's how you scripturally, accurately pray for somebody else. Lord, I thank you that their eyes are being opened. They see the truth of what the enemy is doing in their life. Let their eyes be open to see the destruction that he's bringing into their life. And let them see the truth and the hope that comes from Christ alone. That's how you pray spiritually and scripturally correctly for somebody else. And so, you know, even in this is that we have to just understand that that's how we do it. You just stick with the word. God did not make it complicated. Here's the good news. You don't have to know Hebrew and you don't have to know Greek. Now, it can help. It can expound it. It can, you know, but you don't have to. If we just stick with the Bible, it's going to keep us in the right place. It's when we get away from the word and we get off center. It's kind of like when you stay in your lane in the road, you're good. You get off to the shoulder, you might get into the ditch. You cross over the center line and go left. You're in trouble. Just stay. Stay in your lane. Stay in line with the Word of God because there's protection there. And so how, you know, and so even in these types of things, because many times, and I've had it happen, and I've shared some of these before, you know, where there have been moments where it just seems like there's just an onslaught of the enemy. It just seems like one thing after another after, and it's just constant, just steady. Well, that is a spiritual attack. And and I can agree with you, even if you're having an instant like that, or a moment where that's going on, I can agree with you. I mean, the Bible's clear on that, but I'm going to ask you, what are you believing for? What's going on? You know, and there's been times that I wasn't even aware of what was happening until the Lord helped me to see what was actually happening. And I was like, man, that's the devil ripping me off. That's the devil stirring up strife in my life, stirring up circumstances. Now I can say, hey, that's got to come to a stop. I thank you, Father, that you are my helper, that you sent the Holy Spirit to help me, you sent your angels to help me, that I have support, that I've been redeemed from the curse, I've been redeemed from the work of the enemy in my life, that I don't have to stand for this, that I am your child and my inheritance is 
whatever it may be. And I'll begin to declare God's promises over my life. And it, what, it, it, you know, James even says, what does it say? Resist the devil and he will what? Does it say he's going to bow up and fight back? No. If you resist the devil, he will flee. I'm not trying to wrestle with the devil. I'm not trying to fight and convince him to leave me alone. No, all I have to do, Jesus. Hey, devil, let me remind you, Jesus. You know, I know this is an old example, but it's still funny. But I have an older niece. She's 18 now. But when she was a kid, she used to watch The Lion King. How many of you ever seen The Lion King movie? Yeah. You remember when uh, there was a scene in that movie... And I don't remember the, I don't remember all the details, but I remember it was uh, was it Simba was the the little character, right? The little cub that was the, was, you know, and they were like Mufasa, and they're like, ooh, say it again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like Mufasa, say it again, say it again. And it's like, ooh, and they were all like afraid. Why? Because he was the king, right? I mean, he was the alpha male. He was the really, I mean, he was the king of the jungle, right? You know, all demonic powers quake at the name of Jesus. I don't have to stand and scream and shout and act a fool. I don't have to jump through all these spiritual hoops at the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. There is power in that name. There is more than enough power in that name. It is not weak and it does not come up short. So that when I pray and I begin to stand upon what God's word says. And how do I know that God's word is guaranteed for me? Because Jesus put his stamp of approval which was his blood upon it. So when I stand upon God's word and I simply stand with the authority that comes in that name. We read that verse a few minutes ago and Jesus said, hey, I give you all power and authority. Now we're going to go back and look at that verse here in a few minutes because I purposely left... Something out at the right before that. But let me read you a, a few verses. And we've looked at these that even support this. Because many times people will share things like that. Oh, well, you need to command angels. Well, there's not, there's not a single scripture. Not one that says that angels do our bidding. Now, people would use Daniel chapter 10 verse 12. And says, I'm here because of your prayers, Daniel. And they say, see, angels will come because we said. Well, go find me another verse where it says that I'm here because you called. Now, if you go and look, they're going to say, I'm here because the Lord sent. I'm here to bring you the word from the Lord. Psalms 91 verse um, 11 says this. It says, for the Lord will uh, order his um, angels to protect you wherever you go. Now, the Amplified Bible says that he will give command to his angels. So in other words, he's giving an instruction, a direction to his angels. But it goes on and it says, He will give uh, his angels charge or command or order uh, over his angels to protect you wherever you go. It says that they will hold you up um, with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot against a stone. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, we, we look, have looked at this every week. It says this, is that are not the angels all ministering spirits sent for what? To be ministers to us of the heirs of salvation? So that's, that's their purpose. That's their function. But they're not waiting on us necessarily to direct them. They are waiting on us to begin to say what God has said. And what God has declared. And God will send them. We don't have the authority to direct them. 
just because you say, angel, I want to see you, they ain't, they ain't showing up. I mean, you can try it if you want, but they ain't going to just be like, okay, I'm here. That's not going to happen. Why? Because that's not their assignment. Psalms 103, verse 20. We've looked at this verse multiple times, but in the New King James Version, it says this. It says, Bless the Lord you as angels who excel in strength and, to, and do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Heeding the voice of His word, not our word. They are waiting for an instruction from the Lord. So even when it comes to the area of, you know, you, I, I hate to even use the word because it's so messed up, but spiritual warfare. Because there is truth there, but it's been so skewed that people get weird about it. I mean, you know, some people, just the mention of those words, they're like, oh, this ain't the church for me, I'm out of here. We just got weird. Because of experience. No, see, genuine spiritual warfare involves this, which is fighting the good fight of faith. So what does that mean? What does it mean to fight the good fight of faith? Number one, it means keeping your minds renewed. Here's a big one, because many people call it spiritual warfare, but it's really this. The second thing is it's keeping your flesh in check. Many people say, oh, the devil be bringing me that temptation. No, that's your flesh speaking that you want to call the devil. But that's not the devil. That's a desire that you've not brought into the lordship of Christ. That right there, that principle alone can help lots and lots and lots of people. See, the Bible says that as believers, we're to bring what? Every desire and bring it under. In other words, we're to submit it to the lordship of Christ. What does Lord mean? Supreme ruler. So we have to, through spiritual, we have to what? Keep our desires in check. We have to keep them where they belong. A thought comes that's just out of the blue. And like, I don't know where that thought came from, but I know it didn't come from the Lord. So I need to grab a hold of it. Or the next time it's going to come and hang around a little while longer. And it's probably going to bring some friends with it and some more thoughts with it. And what's going to happen? It's going to give place to the flesh. Paul said this, make no provision for your flesh. He said, kill it, and when it rears its head, kill it again. Now, that's my translation of it. Why? Because as long as we have this flesh and bone body, there are desires, and the Bible says that the flesh wars against the spirit. I mean, Paul talks about it. Romans 7, Romans 8. He says, I know what I should do, and I don't do it. What's wrong with me? I know what to do, and I want to do that. But why don't I? And what does he talk about? He says, there's still this sin. There's still this flesh nature lurking on the inside of me. Waiting for what? Waiting for me to give place to it. But see, many people want to call that spiritual warfare. And that's nothing more than the flesh. It's the undealt with flesh. I have a buddy of mine. And he, I, one time we were talking about something. And he used this. And I thought, man, that's so good. I'm going to use that. So I'm going to use it right now. And he says, sometimes you have to exercise your no muscle. Not because something's wrong. Just because you have the ability to say, no, I'm, 
I'm going to take authority and I'm going to take dominion in this area of my life. Sometimes you need to just make yourself stop thinking about something that's not in line with the word of God. Just nope, I'm not going to allow myself to even ponder that thought. What if? Nope, not going there. God's word says, nope, stopping there. What, what if you did this? Nope. Ain't, Sometimes we have to head things off before they're a problem. So we got to keep our flesh in check. Why? Because that actually has to do with righteousness and living righteously. You know, when we live righteously, it can actually enable angels to work more effectively for us. Now, we're not trying to manipulate or trying to create anything, but I don't want to hinder their work, and I definitely don't want to open the door to the enemy either. So the first one, one of the genuine ways of spiritual warfare is, number one, keeping your mind renewed. You've got to change the way you think. I've got to change the way I think. I've got to resist uh, the flesh. And then there's a third one, which is very similar to the second one. But this is external temptations, and it's resisting the temptations of this world. So, like, just give you a practical example of this. The first one that we talked about is resisting, or is dealing, keeping your own flesh in check. That's just your internal desires. But how many of you know that sometimes the enemy will come and will try to get you, like, I'll give you an example. You know, at the beginning of the year, you know, we did a 21-day fast. You know, well, I'd cut out a lot of certain food items and certain things in my life. And so, but to help me in that, what did I do? I just quit watching TV, too. Why? Because everything on TV is food. I'd see a Dr. Pepper commercial and it's like, oh, I can taste Dr. Pepper. Mm." That temptation will come externally. So there's two levels. I've got to keep my flesh in check, but there may be times that you need to not watch that favorite TV show. Why? Because it stirs up some desire. It stirs up a thought process. He says, no, I, I just realized that the devil's trying to tempt me. Doesn't mean that show's necessarily evil. It might be. I don't know. I don't know what you watch. But just because it's on TV and just because it's in a book, does that mean that it's okay to be read or seen? No. no. Why? Because there still is an enemy out there. And so our spiritual warfare is many times, it's not hooky, spooky, weird stuff. To me, it's actually a lot of common sense. Uh, you know... I mean, you know, like I'll give you another example of this. Just something that I've noticed as I've been on the internet. I'll be on the news channel or something like that. Like just looking up what's going on in the world. I I try not to spend too much time on it. I definitely don't watch it on TV because I can't. Because Dara says it changes me and I get all aggressive and angry and mad about it. And so I have to limit how much news stuff I can watch. Because there's just crazy people out there. And I'm just like, this is not complicated. And, you know, so... I, so, I, so I try to limit it. So I just get online and I try to jump and look at a couple of the headlines. Like, hey, what's happening in the world right now? What's going on? Because I still want to be informed what's going on. But one of the things that I've noticed is they have these ads yeah. that line the side. And I'm like, I ain't looked at squat to do with that. Why is that on my screen? Yeah. And I've done nothing inappropriate. And yet there's ads. Yeah. What? 
What do I do? I go find the X real quick. Yeah. We're going to get off that, that station. Why? Because I realize that, hey, that's a temptation coming from the enemy. I'm not going to give place to the devil. I'm not going to pause and take a look a little longer. Like, nope. <sighs> Why? I mean, you know, Paul told Timothy, he says, hey, flee youthful lust. He wasn't just talking to a young man. He was talking to believers. And says, hey, flee those lusts that what? That war against your soul. So we have to be aware of these things. Let's jump back over to Matthew chapter 16. I want to read you uh, this in context that I believe is important for us. But uh, in Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start reading in verse 16. But the, uh, what's going on here in this moment is Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he wants to know, hey, what's my reputation? What are people saying about me? Who do they think that I am? And so, of course, they, he goes through this whole thing. And then finally he asks them the question. And he says, but who do you say that I am? Talking to the disciples. Peter speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answers and says to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, he's not talking about uh, Peter being the rock. He's talking about the revelation that Peter had received. You say, well, how do you know that? Because just in a few verses, Jesus is looking at Peter saying, hey, get thee behind me, Satan. So it obviously wasn't Peter. It had to do with what Peter said, which was what? Is that Christ was the Messiah. That was the rock that he was referring to. And I love this part. He says, on this rock, on this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the mighty deliverer. He would build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a powerful statement. Like, I I don't know that even I can even begin to fully comprehend. I want God to help me to, to see it and to get greater revelation. But he says, if you will understand that I am Messiah, that I am the Savior, that I am the Deliverer, that there is nothing that all of hell can do to overcome you because of Jesus Because of the understanding of who he is and what he desires to do. And then he goes on in verse 19. He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the New King James Version. I thought I was reading that New Living, but it's okay. So it may look different up here. That's why I say that. Jesus says, look, it is about... Who I am and what I've come to do that matters. I don't need to so much worry about what the devil is doing. Sometimes I believe that we give him way too much focus. Oh, the devil's after me. The devil's after me. Okay, well, who's for you? Who's on your side? I believe the Bible calls him the captain of your salvation. Who is Christ? Who is the Messiah? Who is the leader of all of the angels? You need angelic support. Like, you know, even uh, think of it this way. In a military mindset, if I needed support, I don't want to go find a private. I would prefer to go find a general. Why? Because the general is not just one man. The general commands many men. You go to a private, I can convince him maybe to help me, but he's just one guy. When I can go to the throne and I can actually begin to... Uh, really stand upon what Christ has made available for me, 
Not only do I get what he's done, but I also get his support, which is all of heaven. You go read through the book of Revelations. Jesus shows up and there's angelic activity around him. So we don't need to focus and to give too much attention. I mean, yes, I want to teach about angels. Yes, I want you to have an understanding that they are real, that they are here to minister to you. But that's all that they are. They are ministering spirits that have been created for what? For our help. To do what God, what God desires done in our life. They will come to assist. They will come to protect. Yes, but we are not to seek them in any way. Christ is who we seek. We keep Him front and center and of the utmost of importance. In Colossians chapter uh, 2, we read this verse. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It's out of a new, the new 2015, whatever. I don't know why they updated it, but we can't get it on the computer yet. But I like the way that it writes a lot of things. So, second, or, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. I'll tell you what, let me back up. How far do I want? Let me just pick up in verse 13. It says, When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us of all of our sins, having canceled out the certificate of death, consisting of legal demands against us, uh, which were hostile to us. And this certificate has set us... Or, And he has set aside and completely removed by nailing... What? Hold on. And this certificate, he has set aside and completely moved by nailing it to the cross. It says, uh, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his uh, triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. Other translations, and I believe it's the New King James says this way, is that he made a show of them openly. He paraded them as what? Defeated foes. They are not mighty. They are not strong. They prey upon our weakness. Now I'm going to give you a slightly crude example of this, but it will communicate it. Think like a pedophile with a child. Why do they prey on a child? Because they're innocent, because they're to a degree ignorant of evil. The enemy is banking on the fact that we are ignorant. That we're just going to pay no attention. Why? Because he's looking for a target. And yet here, the Bible says that Jesus stripped them of all power and authority. The message translation says it this way. It says, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross. And he marched them naked through the streets. I like the way that it says it, that he stripped them of their sham authority. Even the authority that they got, or that they did have, was usurped. It was stolen from man. It wasn't rightfully theirs to begin with. They stole it. The enemy stole it through Adam and Eve's fall in the garden. So when we understand these things and when we really see exactly what the Bible says is that Jesus came for us. Why? So that we could stand in what he has for us. 
Even when it comes to the, uh, the, the realm of spiritual warfare, all I have to do is find out what is God's will, what is God's intention, what is God's thought in my life on this subject. Now I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to begin to declare God's word. Why? Because as I begin to speak what I have authority in my life. I've said this many times and it is absolute truth. I know it in my own life. Is that my voice in my life carries more weight and more authority than anybody else's. So what I say about me matters more than what my wife says about me. Now, I love my wife. And she can encourage me all day long. I believe in you. You can do this. But if I, but if, if I say, no, I can't, that matters more. It doesn't matter what God's word says about me. I can read it all day long. I can confess it all day long. And God can say, I see, you know, I mean, think of like the story of Gideon. He's in a wine press down there trying to. Angel shows up and says, what? You mighty man of valor. Really? Because I think I look like a chicken in a hole right now. That's what he looks like. What was the problem for Gideon? He couldn't see himself as a mighty man. That's how God saw him. But Gideon couldn't see himself like that. Now, Gideon became that mighty man. But it wasn't until he could see himself the way that God saw him. And the same is true for us. Is that we have to get into the word of God. We have to apply the word of God to our lives, to our circumstances, to our situations. I'm not trying to wrestle anything from the devil. The Bible says that Christ has already given to us all spiritual blessings. So in other words, everything that he accomplished is already ours. It's sitting there waiting for us to to walk in it. And to move in it. So even in these areas where people may get off and they may get squirrely about these, just stick with Scripture. Why? Because Christ is our victor. He's the one who guarantees victory. He's the one who guarantees the word in our life. He's the one who paid the ultimate price so that we could have all that God wanted for us. All that God's will was for us. So yes, there are angels. Yes, there are uh, divine spirits sent to minister to us. Yes. But the most important thing we can do is to focus on Christ. To remember what He's done for us. What He's made available for us. And when we understand that and we see it, we'll walk in newness of life. We'll walk in the strength of Scripture. We'll walk just as He did. In the power of the Spirit of God. And realizing that, hey, we have an enemy. But He's defeated. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't even deserve my attention. That's how much He's not even that big of a deal. I mean, I'll remind you what Scripture says about him, that in the end, people will look and say, is this the one? So in heaven, there's going to be a collective, really? Him? That's what everybody was afraid of? And it's because the enemy has us fooled to believe. He's real loud, but he's got no bite. And many times we get distracted and pulled back. And even in these areas, and if the enemy can get us distracted and to do things like starting to pray and say, well, Satan, I bind you, I bind you. He's already bound. I have to enforce that in my life. I'm not trying to convince him he's bound. He knows he is. He's just hoping I don't know. He's hoping that you don't know. And when we don't, he can get an advantage. But not because of his strength, it's because of our ignorance. And when we're ignorant, yeah, he, he can work in our life. But when we know our promises and we can stand upon the word of God, 
I'll declare the word of God and I'm going to see God's word come to pass in my life. And the same thing is true for you. So the most important thing is what? You got to know the word. You got to deal with your flesh. Right? So many times we let the devil off because we blame him, but it's us. And the other thing is, is hey, if, if the enemy is getting an area of your life, and really you can look at it this way. If the enemy's working in your life, it's because of one of three things. And it's that ignorance. It's an area of your flesh that you've not dealt with or you're allowing temptation in somewhere. So you've got to close the back door. You see, if you'll walk in that and you'll understand that, I'm telling you, if you can close the back door to the enemy, deal with those areas of your flesh, if you'll stand upon the Word of God, find out who you are in Christ, there's nothing the enemy can do to overtake you. Victory is guaranteed. Why? Because you have a captain of your salvation who declares your freedom, who declares all that God wants to do in your life and for your life. Amen.